Hello, everyone. Before we get started, I believe giving credit where credit is due. The documentary Tracking Edith was the source of the quote about Edith Tudor Hart being the grandmother of us all in relation to the Cambridge Five spy ring. I found the quote in an article, but I never mentioned that the, the article is quoting the documentary Tracking Edith. This was brought to my attention when I was contacted by the director of that documentary, uh, Peter Junk. He let me know it was his research that discovered the quote, which is an incredible find and should be properly credited. I uh, recommend you check out the documentary Tracking Edith, which I watched after hearing from Peter, and it's an excellent documentary and a great companion piece to the episode. It has a lot of uh, interesting perspectives and uh, folks that I was very impressed that he got to speak with, uh, ranging from uh, relatives of Edith Tudor Hart to former KGB officers. So I would really recommend you checking that out on Amazon. Uh, and this is a unsponsored uh, podcast. Uh, I also wanted to let you know this episode is about the infamous double agent Kim Philby. And if you were a longtime listener of this podcast, that name is familiar. I did talk about this subject, this person, in my first season and talked about him being an agent of chaos and the controversy of was he a double agent, was he a triple agent? So I'm going to be looking at him again, but I'm not going to be looking at him in the same angle, in the same light. Yes, there may be some retread of some events. But we're looking at him and answering different questions. So don't think that you're just getting the same old episode. I wouldn't let you down. So, without further ado, let's hit that theme music and start the show. Picture the perfect English gentleman. Suit, tie, well-combed hair, smoking a pipe. Do you have it in your mind? You're thinking of someone who looks a lot like Kim Philby. What job do you think he has? Lawyer? Doctor? Professor? You probably wouldn't guess he's a double agent for Soviet Russia. Kim Philby. The man who had everything threw it all away to spy for Soviet Russia. Why? I'm Sam Logan, and you're listening to the podcast The Story Is, the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. This episode, we're continuing the series as our, in our look at the Cambridge Five. The series is entitled, Why Spy? Part 2, Kim Philby. 
I like to place myself in the shoes of my topics. And it was Philby that caused me to ask the question, why spy? Why so great a betrayal? Why so risky of a move? Why not just leave the country? Why the need to wound the country you were born in? At a young age, Kim Philby was an atheist. But as an adult, he found a new religion. One that he was devoted to for the rest of his life. Communism. Philby became a communist while an undergraduate at Trinity College. He studied history, but switched to economics, where he was discipled by the Marxist economist Maurice Dobb, who was a left-wing leader who led a reading group that Philby joined. Philby, while in Austria, worked for a communist front organization. He met Litzi Friedman, and in order to help her escape the a war-torn and disturbed country of Austria, he married her. Marriage at the time gave instant British citizenship. This union has been described as a marriage of convenience, which lasted legally until he was already a member of the British Secret Intelligence Service, MI6, after the war, when he married his mistress and the mother of his children, Eileen Furse, in December of 1946. The main difference in his life that Litzy made for Philby was that she knew communists in England, and specifically Edith Tudor Hart. Edith knew some real Soviet spies, and it was through this link with her that he was finally contacted by the NKVD, the Russian secret intelligence, and his career as a spy for Russia began. Philby tells Edith in their first meeting that he wants to be an active communist. And Arnold Deutsch, the Russian controller, who is the direct contact with Soviet Russia, responds with, all right, if you want to be a spy for Russia, then Philby must hide all of his Communist Party ties. Philby had to perfect an alternative personality and create a story that would convince the British establishment that he was one of their own, a good fellow who could be admitted to the inner circle. Or as Deutsch told Philby, someone known to be an overt communist would never get the real truth. But someone who was moving as a real bourgeois among the bourgeois could. Some say Deutsch was kind of like a father figure to Philby. Never mind, Deutsch was only eight years older than Kim. Well, their start to this relationship was a positive working relationship. But later, Deutsch was recalled to the USSR during Stalin's purges. And unlike some of Philby's other Soviet controllers, Deutsch was not shot for treason. I'm not sure how Deutsch eventually died, but he might have died in active service in 1942, unlike his immediate replacement in London, who was shot as a supposed German spy. Why do I include this? Being a spy reporting to Russia was dangerous business, and this was the business Philby has chosen. After months as a journalist covering 
World War II, Philby found himself in what was to become the Special Operations Executive, SOE, then later called Section D of the British Secret Intelligence Service, known as MI6. Now, Philby is at the exact place he wants to be, working for British intelligence and also working for the Soviet Union, secretly. And what Philby found is that being a double agent is a tightrope. You see, Philby had to be careful. Making too many mistakes, if too many missions didn't go exactly as planned, he would either have been fired for being a bad agent, or it would have revealed him to be a double agent. But, on the other hand, if everything was well planned for MI6, he would be doing damage to the KGB. That's right, the same KGB that has no issues executing those they believe are betraying Mother Russia. It had to be incredibly difficult to keep both agencies happy. Early in Philby's tightrope walk, his footing was tested. In 1945, around August or September, two Soviet intelligence officers decided to defect from Russia to the West. Both of them could have had information to show that Philby was a spy, but he was able to avoid these situations by, in one case, downgrading the threat level. Igor Gozensko and his family defected to Canada. This was a fortunate since this defection had already happened by the time Philby knew of it. In this case, he was able to prevent the real expert, a lady by the name of Jane Archer, from being the interrogator. While Gazenko certainly had information that showed that there were spies for Russia working in Western intelligence, Philby was able to narrowly avoid any suspicions by focusing on anyone but him. As for the second defector, Philby had him eliminated. Konstantin Volkov defected through Istanbul and wanted money for his information. Philby was able to postpone Volkov's escape, told the KGB or NKVD in Moscow that Volkov was a traitor, and so the Soviets sent two men to, Est to Istanbul to kidnap Volkov and brought him back to Russia, where he was shot. Volkov could have, been a, could have exposed Philby as a Russian spy, along with some say 313 other Soviet agents. The effect of Volkov's successful defection would have been devastating, but instead, he was executed, and Philby remained an unsuspecting double agent. Now, how much damage Philby did during his time is difficult to say for certain. He was no help to MI6. But gathering exactly what he did or didn't do is hard to nail down because even after, if you read his own memoir, we're not sure how much is reality, how much of it is trying to make the West look bad. Which is exactly what his spying and the rest of the Cambridge spy did to MI6. 
This was a major embarrassment. This was a major failing. But to get a, at least somewhat of an accurate picture of what Philby and others did, the two things that keep coming up in my research, one, information about the atomic bomb, and number two, the identity of undercover agents. Also take into account, Philby was at MI6 for years. For years, Philby is passing on confidential information along to Russia. There's no doubt that Philby was a major traitor, sending countless agents to their death. But we have to balance accurately myth from fact as best we can. Because myth was also used as a weapon to embarrass the West as much as the actual facts of the success of Philby as a double agent. We have to ask ourselves, what's the danger of the double agent? To give you an example, what I can tell you about was activity after World War II, when, so when the Soviet Union has control of different countries on the Eastern Bloc, and there's an insurgency in Ukraine, and the troops are trying to push back the, the Soviet Union side. There was intelligence provided by Philby to central Soviet strategy in the struggle against these partisan bands. As KGB operative Yuri Moden described, the British had a penchant for parachuting agents into the Baltic countries, where there was already a strong, well-organized resistance. Philby gave us details of every operation in Lithuania and Estonia. They usually involved arms deliveries or the infiltration of combatants or messengers via Sweden or the Baltic. We knew who was coming and when, and we neutralized these spies and saboteurs. Most were arrested and, and imprisoned. By simply passing on information, who, when, where, Russia knows exactly what the enemy will do. By passing on information, Philby assures the death of people. If we project this into the activities of World War II, he is assuring the death of his own countrymen, at the very least prisoners of war. Philby, near the top of British intelligence, was able to do these types of actions for years. We don't know how many lives were lost due to his actions. But we know Philby has blood on his hands, and therefore infamy as well. Now, let's answer the big question of the episode. Why he spied? Philby once said, To betray, you must first belong. Philby escaped suspicion and eventually the country, not only through his own quick thinking, but also because of status. Ironically, the very person he was willing to turn on, his own father, 
placed him in the upper class, where the spy enjoyed the benefit of the doubt, and gave him his manufactured double life and inherited credibility. Remember the previous episode Philby was told by his Russian contact? My family background and possibilities could do far more for communism than the -the run-of-the-mill party member or sympathizer. Philby had the background, but no emotional attachment to it. I think Philby believed he didn't belong. He rejected his own home country and family that generally, for the time, is described as being a cold and distant way of raising people. That is how England is described at this time period. As fathers and mothers sending their kids off to boarding school and being cold and distant. This is the type of world one thinks Philby grew up in. He rejected this cold conditioning for a new country and family, Russia and socialism. It is my assertion that even without a Nazi threat, the common enemy of his recruiting days, Kim Philby would have been a ready and willing recruit for Edith Tudor Hart and Soviet Russia. He was a man of class, status, and a cause. He wasn't fighting against Nazi Germany for his survival or for England's continued existence. He was fighting and spying for communism. Oleg Klaugen, a senior KGB official who later in the 1970s helped to look after Philby once he fled to Moscow, made an observation in his memoirs titled Spymaster. In the 1930s, the Soviet cause, while linked to the security of the USSR, was primarily ideological. Philby always told Kalgan that he never spied for the money. He did so for communism, for his beliefs. And he would have continued to spy and be dangerous in the British intelligence agency had it not been for the discovery and flight of two of Philby's fellow spies in 1951. By association, it cast a shadow of suspicion that caused Philby to be forced to leave his MI6 job. Philby continued to maintain his innocence until that facade crumbled around 1963 and he fled to Russia. It is also my opinion. Philby spied to embarrass and damage Great Britain. He had the opportunity to make a deal to stay in country. He had the opportunity for immunity. If he would just tell the British officers what he did for Russia, he would get immunity. He was not about to do that. There was no way he was going to do that, to undo or help the MI6 save face even a little bit. Philby just wasn't spying for information. In my opinion, he was looking to dismantle Britain from the inside to make a mockery of both Great Britain's intelligence officers and capitalism itself and showing how weak and 
feeble their walls really were. He wasn't about to help them at all. So he left and fled to Russia. Staying and talking was never an option for Kim Philby. Kim had succeeded. He had embarrassed Britain and the Western world. His actions would cause MI6 to look inwardly in almost a Joe McCarthy-like fashion, worrying about a Soviet-Russian spy being under every rock. The tale of the Cambridge Five is a black eye on British intelligence. In both the information world of passing information to Soviet Russia and in marring the reputation of Great Britain, Philby succeeded. And when he got to the promised land, to Soviet Russia, he found that his faith brought him to a promised land that was a broken promise. His last wife is said in an interview, as reported in The Guardian, that Kim Philby tried to drink himself to death in Moscow because he was disillusioned with communism and tortured by his own failings. The news report says Philby died in the city of Moscow in 1988, 25 years after defecting to the Soviet Union, where he was employed as a sort of consultant to the KGB, helping to prepare spies for missions to the West. Rufana Pukava, his Russian-Polish wife, said Philby struggled, struggled to control his drinking. She described his alcoholism as a suicide. He once even said that it was the easiest way to bring life to an end. His habit was fueled by his sorrow over what he saw around him, she added. Kim believed in a just society and devoted his whole life to communism. And here he was struck by disappointment, brought to tears. He said, Why do old people live so badly here? After all, they won the war. The Russian government didn't choose that quote when they honored Kim Philby with a plaque at the headquarters of its country's foreign intelligence agency. The plaque carries a quote from Philby saying, I look back on my life as given to the service of a cause that I sincerely and passionately believe is right. He spied to embarrass Britain, yes, and he spied because he believed he was right. He lived long enough to see he was wrong. Yes, capitalism has its problems for sure. But socialism can't live without capitalism as well. There are far many, many losers in that ism. In my own opinion, you really need a, a balance. It's kind of like you're making an egg. You have your egg of capitalism... And then you just need some salt of uh, socialism. Sprinkle it on there. 
and you've got yourself a meal. But if you've got too much of one or the other and you have a society that's just not working. Philby was loyal to a country he barely knew. He loved a family that has no relation to him and a religion that showed itself to be as empty and unsubstantial as the Russian snow. All right, everyone, before we I tell you what happens in the next episode, I do have to give you my updated sources. My sources for this series are SpartacusEducational.com, BBCNews.com, TheGuardian.com, the book The Cuckoo's Nest, 500 Years of Cambridge Spies by Christopher Catherwood, SmithsonianMag.com, TheJerusalemPost.com, NewsStatesman.com, the article The Silver Spoon Spy, How Cambridge Double Agent Donald Macklin Got Away With It For So Long by William Boyd, The Cambridge Five, The History of the Notorious Spy Ring During World War II by Charles Rivers Editors, Britannica.com, WinstonChurchill.org, and the documentary Tracking Edith. Those are my sources. I do thank everyone very much for listening to this episode and this series, and I appreciate uh, any thoughts that you might have. You can send me a voicemail like uh, Peter did, or you can send me an email at thestoryispodcast at gmail.com. And I appreciate anyone who would uh, take the time to write a review for iTunes or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Next time, those two spies who left before Philby, who, because of their scandal, cast a shadow of suspicion upon him, Guy Burgess and Donald Macklin. The next two episodes will be about them and why they spied. Until next time, I'm Sam Logan. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.